Amen. I forgot how Redeemer fills up like 15 minutes after service starts. Some of y'all get that. I, I thought there was 10 of us, and there's like 120 of us. So good evening. My name is Jeff Skipper, uh, the pastor over at Redeemer Southwest Church. It's great to, for all of us to be together this evening. Uh, if you will, look in your um, uh, worship folder there. You'll see a couple passages of Scripture we're going to read from and work from this evening for a few minutes. So I'm going to read from 2 Samuel 7 and then from the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's word. Uh, sometimes I have my little boys. I have three little boys. Um, they make their presence known. Surely you've seen or heard, heard them. If you, if you get really quiet, you might hear them now uh, from over there. Um, they, they drive this little power wheel truck around our yard, and I have them pick up all the sticks and the pine cones in the yard, um, put them to work, right? And uh, the other day, John John picked up this stick, and his little brother Isaac saw it, who's four, and he just exploded, and he said, Wow, John John, that stick is awesome. That is amazing. You just, you just blew up. I mean, you would have thought this stick is made of gold. It would have in some certain shape that spelled his name or something. It was just two feet long like all the other sticks. Nothing special. Uh, but this happens every day with them. It's just how they see the world. Uh, always from the back of the van, like way in the back of the van where these, they, we put them, uh, we hear, Mommy, Daddy, you know, a bunch of times. Uh, so we, we turn our sermon down that we're listening to because that's what we listen to when we drive around. And... Uh, Okay, I'm kidding. We turn our, our music down. and uh, we, say, we, we finally say, son, what? What do you need? And he goes, did you see that garbage truck? <laughs> no, I, I mean, well, we'll usually say, yeah, we did. Okay, thank you. That's great. Turn the music back up. Uh, in their eyes, there is a sparkle. There's a glory to everything that deserves to be wondered at and just praised. Everything just has a glimmer, a shine to it. And in, in order for us to live a life of thankfulness, uh, it's like where I want to start tonight, to look up to God with a song of gratitude in our hearts, a song of thankfulness on our lips, first we have to be struck with a sense of wonder. A sense of wonder. And then gratitude naturally, effortlessly follows. And if there was ever a person who lived a life of thanksgiving, if you know the Bible at all, a life of thankfulness that issued out of a sense of wonder and of God's goodness to him, it was King David. Uh, we'll read his psalm later tonight, one of them. And he constantly, his constant refrain is, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. And you get this feeling that he's sitting around and he's looking around and he's just shaking his head as he considers his life and, 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 and the world. And he's con continually saying, wow, God has been so good to me. Uh, even when he's repenting, even when he's suffering, he's saying this. In Psalm 57, he says, I will give thanks to you, to you O Lord. I will sing praises to you. Your love and your faithfulness goes to the heavens. And when he wrote that, he wasn't sitting in a comfy chair beside a warm fire with a cup of coffee just saying, man, God is good, isn't he? Looking at his pals. No, he was in a cold, damp cave with a lunatic chasing him, trying to kill him in Psalm 57. And he's writing, give thanks to the Lord. I'll sing praises to you, O God. He really did give thanks in all circumstances. And so my question is, what is his secret? What did he know about God? 
that, that transformed his heart and his life into one ceaseless song of thanksgiving. What, uh, what lens did he view life through that enabled him to live this way? And, and what can we learn from him? Uh, let's look at this for just a few minutes. Uh, have you ever been the 25th car in the Chick-fil-A line? Life-changing. Let me tell you if, if you, if you just get there when they open, I bet if you wait, you can time it right. I don't know. Uh, I haven't done that, but you probably can. You order your food, and you pull around to the window, and you put your card out the window, and only for the cashier to say, congratulations, your money's no good here. My, my pleasure, your, your food is free. And the, and the first thing you think is, I should have ordered more food. <laughs> that literally every time, I'm like, can we just redo this? I'll drive back around, we'll act like this never happened. Uh, but then you go into this state of shock and euphoria and wonder and thankfulness. You're like, this can't be happening right now. You reach for your phone, you share it on Facebook as fast as possible. You call your mom or your spouse or your friend, you, you, you won't believe what happened to me. Uh, your whole day is made new, right? You go back to work, if you were mad at someone, you've forgotten about it. Chick-fil-A gave me, I was the 25th car. It's a game changer. You start afresh. Why? Because you were surprised by an act of grace. An act of grace, and it just created this effortless gratitude in you. It just, it just changed you. And if that happens to us on such a small level for an $8 lunch, uh, you know, what experience can grace have? What can that do to us if it gets down into our souls and it colors the past and the present and the future and everything we look at? If it's colored with grace, and that's at the bottom of who I am, I've tasted that, right? I've received that. Then, then what would that do to the way we live and how we live a, a thankful life? And that's what happened to King David. Look there again in 2 Samuel 7. Let me give you the context of this passage. God shows up and he says, listen, David, uh, you keep talking about all the great things you're going to do for me. Uh, you know, you're going to build me a house and all these things. But listen, I got news for you. That's, that's not how this arrangement works, actually. That's not how this relationship, this setup works. Actually, I'm the giver. I'm the doer. I'm the builder in this relationship. So I'm actually going to do great things for you. And your job is to humble yourself and receive it and rejoice and trust me. And God turns the tables on him, and he says, no, here's, here's how it's going to work. You're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And I'm going to build you a house that will last forever. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a son, and he's going to establish an everlasting kingdom, and you're going to be part of that. David pulled up to the window to pay, and God wasn't having it. Instead, David caught a glimpse of the fundamental disposition of the heart of God. And what he saw in 2 Samuel 7 is that God's heart is giving and it gives and it gives by grace to messy, undeserving people. He caught a glimpse of who God is and he said at the root, at the very core of who God is, he's a giver. And he just keeps giving and he gives and he gives from creation into eternity. That's who he is. And that transformed everything about how David saw his life, all of his circumstances. Look at his response because this is where the secret's at to a life of thankfulness. It's in verse 18. He falls before the Lord after this encounter and he prays, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you've brought me thus far? That's his secret. David is saying to the Lord, Me? Who am I? Seriously? Did you, you got the right address. Right? My family? Do you know me? Are you sure you have the right guy? Who am I? What is this about that you would show such Love for me, God. Who am I? What is my house that you've brought me thus far? David was deeply aware of this, that there was a huge gap between what he deserved and what he was freely receiving. And everything between the two was grace. 
and that produced a life of thankfulness. He had a realistic view of who he was before God and what he received, and he had a glimpse, a true view of who God was and how God was living towards him, what his heart posture was towards him, and and what he was receiving. He said, these two things don't add up, but everything between the two is grace, and that led him to see everything in his life as a gift. That's the secret to thankfulness. He knew he had God's promise. He knew he had God's smile. So we see him in times of loneliness and suffering. He still has reason to give thanks. And that's what we need. To give thanks in all circumstances. To look at my life, right? To look to the future and say, wow. To look around and say, wow, thank you, God. I need an experience with him. And I need a promise that leads me to say, who am I, Lord God, that you would bring me this far? That you would live this way towards me? We need to live in a gap where everything is grace, where we see God's heart towards us. So where do we find it? And the answer is we look to David's son, his great son, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us. Because those two things that I just explained are the two fundamental things we see in the gospel. The very first thing the gospel shows us when we glance at the cross, if you interpret it correctly, the first thing you see is how you measure up to God. I see that I haven't been shortchanged in any respect. I've actually lived a life of entitlement. I'm a creature, and yet I still feel very entitled to most things in life. I've been very discontent. I've lived with self-pity. I've complained and grumbled my way through life. And for that, for living towards my maker in that way, before him in that way, I don't deserve anything except his just displeasure to be removed from him. He didn't create me to live that way. The very first thing, you won't get a life of thankfulness and gratefulness if you don't start there. That's the starting point. What do I deserve? And yet at the same time, the gospel shows us what we've received. We see the heart of God, that he gave his most precious possession. He gave his only son for us so that we might be given a name, so that we might be given a hope, so that I might be given a future like David, so that I might receive a promise that is stronger than and overshadows any sorrows or any fears I bump up against. And when I stand stand before the cross, when we stand there, that's the gap of grace. When you stand before the cross... We see what we deserved and what we freely received and everything between the two is grace. And only that will lead you to cry in all circumstances. Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? It's according to your heart that you've brought about all this greatness for me. So let me just ask you tonight as you wade through this season of Thanksgiving, as you're trying to stir up thankfulness in your heart, how big is the gap? How big is the gap in your mind, in your heart, before God, of what you deserve and what you received and what your future looks like. The size of that gap will determine the degree to which you can give thanks in all circumstances, very simply. That's why self-righteous people don't live a thankful life. They've measured up. They've gotten everything that they deserve. They don't have anyone to thank. But if everything is mercy, if your posture before God is need, and you don't deserve anything and he's given you everything, you overflow in a life of thankfulness. The gospel humbles us to where we have nothing to give, And we can only receive. And that's what it looks like to be rightly related to God. Empty hands receiving what he gives, a mouth and a heart full of thanksgiving, and eyes of faith that see everything as a gift from a good, good, wise father who does all things well. My boys live with a sense of wonder because they're made in the image of God. Because he's childlike in his wonder. If you've ever read the creation account, when God created things, he would turn and he would go, wow. That's good. And then he'd turn again and he'd look over on this side and he said, wow, 
that is good. And he repeated it over and over again. And so in order for you, for us, to regain that, to live that way, to see God's grace painted all over your life, to respond to every face, to every event, to every situation, to everything in your life and your future with a wonderstruck, thankful heart, even when times are hard, you have to hear God say in Jesus, you got to hear him look at you and say, wow, he is good. That he turns his head and he looks at you and he goes, wow, she is good. And it makes me sing. And if you know he's singing about you, then you'll sing in all circumstances. You'll give thanks in all circumstances. We have to start from here, from that gap of grace. So how do we practically apply that this season? Just a few minutes as we end. The very first thing, just three things, to be grateful. The first thing is we have to be mindful. David called this remembering God's acts of grace, recounting them. It's actively calling them to mind. It's looking back to what he's done for you, and it's looking forward to what he's promised to do for you. And so I would encourage you very practically in the next few days to sit down and do that. There's power in that. I did that with a friend by chance about the church plant the other day, and we just started reminiscing, and we started naming all the things that God provided, and we both almost left in tears from the phone call, unplanned. There's power in that. Sit down with a friend, a spouse, your kids, and remember. Reminisce. Look at pictures. You'll cry. I, look, I cry if I look at the pictures. That's, a, that's dangerous. Give thanks to God. Thankfulness, living a life of thankfulness takes being intentional, processing, being mindful in specific ways. But in order to do that, you've got to slow down. So be mindful. But the second thing is you have to slow down and be present. A life of gratitude can't be lived on the run. This is why having a rhythm of Sabbath is so important in our lives. So I would just encourage you, if, if at all possible, in the next few days, don't be in a hurry. Put your phone down. Right? Close the laptop. Leave the football game on, of course. But that's part of Thanksgiving, right? Be present with those you love. Get on the floor and wrestle with your kids. If you have girls, do whatever it is you guys do. Right? <laughs> but do that. Sit beside your wife. Tell them how thankful you are for them. Leave work at work. Be present at the dinner table. Right? You've got to slow down. You've got to be present. Look around at your friends, your church, your job, the things you have. Go on a walk in creation. Drink it in. And hear the words of the Apostle Paul when he says, what do you have that you did not receive? Name one thing, even the breath you're taking now, that God has not graciously given you. To remember that all we have is by God's grace. We have to slow down. You have to be present. You have to be mindful. And that all expresses itself ultimately in prayer. Because that's how we give thanks to God. To be thankful we have to have a source to direct our thankfulness towards. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, he said, the worst moment for an atheist is when he's really thankful and he has no one to thank. Because it completes the process of being thankful. Our thankfulness has a landing place at the foot of the cross to our God, our Savior, our provider. And as we saw with David, what we read was a prayer. And as we read in the catechism, the form of thankfulness, that the, the, the chief form it takes in our lives is expressing it in prayer. Not before meals, but praying without ceasing, as our passage says. says. It's a way of life, right? So if, every, if I live in that gap and everything I look at is grace, and the way I thank God for that grace is through prayer, then I'm going to live a ceaseless life of prayer because everything I'm run, running into, God deserves to be thanked for. You want to get your heart right? Be thankful in prayer. That aligns our hearts with God. It's what it means to be human before him, to be a creature. So do it tomorrow with your family. Lead your family. Parents, do it with your children. Husbands, with your wives. Uh, do it with your friends if you spend time with them. So the next few minutes, right, we intentionally try to pause and stand in the gap and consider God's grace 
towards us? Where do you need to repent? Where have you neglected thankfulness? And where do you need to move towards him in faith with a humble heart and a thankful heart tonight? Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. Forgive us for our eyes being clouded by entitlement and sin, and it clouds us from seeing your generous, overflowing, ever-giving heart. You are our Father in heaven. Every good and perfect gift comes down from you in our lives. So, Lord, we come before you tonight. Uh, We know that we come to you boldly to a throne of grace through Jesus Christ. You're not angry with us. You don't have your arms crossed. But once again, uh, your arms are wide open on a porch uh, like the Father, and you run out to meet us, and and you pour more gifts on us. So we come to you, Father. We thank you for your mercy. Bless the rest of the service and uh, this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hear these words from the Apostle Paul from Colossians 3. Listen to these big words he uses. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, in everything, give thanks. Why? Because it's all been touched by God's grace towards you. It's all grace and it's all worthy of thanks. This is God's heart towards you if your faith is in Jesus Christ. Receive this benediction. He's already living this way towards you and he promises to for all of eternity. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace both now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace.